So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Sarah Smith. Sarah, you absolutely killed it on there, as always, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. So now for episode 59 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up, people. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's having a good day right now. Um, I hope you all listened to the last episode, and especially the last part where you guys kind of called me out on something. So I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is, pretty much. Just doing a little bit of a hyping for the for that famous Dark Knight trilogy episode. Stay tuned for that. Should be in the 60s somewhere down the road. But yes, I had to fire a bit of like friendly warning shots, you know, just let you know that this may get ugly, but... No, I mean, it's just, it's motivating me to become even more prepared and armed for this uh, famous future episode. There you go. Tonight, it's just going to be me and Eric, so laid back. And Eric, why don't you introduce the subject to everybody? Yeah, should be a nice laid back talk, but we'll go into a lot of uh, different topics within this large universe, if you will, of uh, topic of conversation. So, you know, we talk a lot about movies and TV shows on here quite often so we thought we'd bring it back to grassroots what got us started into the entertainment industry if you will from a young age on we weren't really exposed to movies and tv that young I want to say like our parents wanted to nurture and train our minds to be equipped with knowledge and what better way to learn than by reading books so for episode 59 we're going to be going over this will be kind of like a book club special episode we're going to be talking about like our love of reading books books versus movies top five favorite books of all time you know recommendations what we're reading right now lots of stuff to talk about so what we can start our conversation off with then would be basically like i said like talk about um what got us into reading so matt do you remember when you really fell in love with reading and was there a particular book that got you into reading yeah, I actually do remember exactly like what ignited my passion. I was in grade five, I believe, and I had just watched uh, Harry Potter, the first movie on VHS. And immediately, like the next day, I got the book. I actually read it in French, fun fact, to start it off. And then just kept plowing through all of them. There was only four of them up to that at that time. So I read the first four in French. And I just, I remember, like, I remember vivid memories of my childhood just reading that book after school while eating my snack or, you know, the after school snack, classic. And just the hours, like, not thinking about anything, not thinking about my homework, just read, being into the world of Harry Potter and being so immersed in it and wanting more. And I thought, I, I think I was a pretty advanced reader for my age. Like, I could read stuff above my the age group but no Harry Potter is definitely the first few books that ignited my passion for reading and then that opened a whole fantasy world where my mom would just keep recommending stuff every year like Matt you need to read these books and fantasy is what really captured my mind as a young child so what about you Eric I was a big I'm gonna throw it back even more like the early books I remember just crushing were like books about trucks dinosaurs like you ask my grandmother wasn't a dinosaur i couldn't name <laughs> and like my truck knowledge was out of this world it's sad to say i haven't that hasn't really translated to anything in my um <laughs> at this point in my life but back then i was a, just an animal for trucks and dinos and then of course the next step was like benjamin the huge <laughs> benjamin guy I think I had those books memorized. I was reading them ahead of the page as my mom was just turning the page and she just freaked out at how I was. I think I was also a pretty advanced reader, humble brag. But 
Yeah, so those were some early works I was into. And then, of course, the Harry Potters. I remember, like, when you brought that up, Matt, that you would read Harry Potter after school. Me too. Like, I can distinctly remember going into the library and picking up Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, which was Mm. the biggest book at that point. And, yeah, I just ate it up. I would devour books as well. Me too. Like, that opened the door for fantasy as well. I can't remember. I know I read, like, some random fantasy series but i remember specifically tante nicole shout out she recommended eragon which she had like really enjoyed i believe my cousin dylan had also read it and then i was up next so i got it didn't really know what to expect there was a dragon on the cover so that right away i'm hooked and i remember (laughs) just absolutely loving this universe that christopher paolini created and I remember when the movie came out in 2005, I'm pretty sure I was super pumped. Like I had read the uh, at least books one and two up until that point and just couldn't wait to see these characters on the screen. And unfortunately, it didn't really translate as well as one would have hoped onto the screen. But those books are some of my favorites to this day, to be honest. I've actually read the first three books in English and in French. And then the fourth one, we only bought in English because it, it wasn't out in French yet. So I read it in English once. I mean, the ending, like, it's always tough to, now I'm just going to ramble a bit about the Aragon, or the Inheritance series, you know, with such a great universe that he created, they're kind of tough to wrap everything up, and the the second and the third books were my favorites, and then, because they expanded on the initial world that the first book introduced, yeah, I love those books, have you read the Aragon, the Inheritance uh, series, Matt? Yes, I loved it too. And were were you disappointed by like the cop out way they defeated Galbatorix, like the evil villain? The thing is, I can't even tell you how they beat him. Uh, I forgot because I remember. I remember being frustrated at yeah. the time when I read. I was like, "This is a weak ending." And yeah. good ending can redeem a bad movie, mm-hmm. and a bad ending can butcher a good book. Yeah, I really didn't like how Galbatorix was defeated in the end. Spoiler alert, but. Yeah. The book was released in 2013, so. Yeah, it was kind of a cheat. Another fond memory as a kid was me going into the library at my elementary school and devouring every Taint Taint comic book. Nice. Asterix and Obelix, Bully Bill. Strumpf. I mean, I can just keep rambling on. I know, Eric, you've, you know, you've seen these comics too. Like, I was more of a Strumpf those. guy myself, but. Yeah. Strumpf, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Smurf. <laughs> um, Garfield, I mean, minimal reading oh, there, yeah. but. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a gateway, you know. You exactly. Start off with the the images, and then you get onto the the advanced words. Like anything in life, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So you start with a Garfield, and then you build your way up to a Taint Taint, <laughs> which those bubbles are pretty massive. They fill like half the picture, and then you're good to go on the novels. Never read Taint Taint. Okay. A lot of reading. It's it's very descriptive and like lots of big bubbles. But those are the highlights for me as a kid. Just I remember when I would read, I was very a procrastinator, didn't want to do my projects and homework. So I'd be like using reading as like forget about the troubles of my homework and just read. Nice. And it worked. <laughs> and yeah, um, that's like one of the first escapism techniques that we used as kids right before we really got into like obviously we'd still watch tv and like we had we had our movies and stuff but reading was more promoted in i think both our households and it was like a fun exercise too to create your own idea of what this world looks like in your head and you become so attached to them because it's personal you decide like obviously you have the the source material is literally in front of you but then you can, it's up to you how do you want to interpret it and then create your um, your own world building. And like, it's a good way to promote like creativity and 
just imagination. Mm -hmm. And and that leads into like what I want to talk about next is why we love reading so much. And it's the whole um, picturing everything in your mind thing that you said, because like I remember reading the second, third and fourth Harry Potter book and the movies were not out yet. Only the first movie was out. And I was like imagining like what those professors were going to look like and what the basilisk would look like and the dragons in the Goblet of Fire. Like I, I was all like me building it in my head first a bit being a little disappointed seeing it on the big screen for the first time and then growing really? to love the movies but that's what i love about reading the most it's just it's so much better your imagination is so powerful and when you just like when you can picture what you're reading it's the greatest feeling ever i don't know if you feel the same eric i, I mean of course for for reading that's one of the things i love the most is like creating my own um, images in my head and like it's personal like kind of intimate too i'm surprised that you didn't really you were a little disappointed, I guess, at the adaptation of Harry Potter on the screen. I thought like that, I think in my mind anyways, that's one of the best, if not the best representation on the screen of, and uh, adaptation, I mean, of a like source material. I think yeah. they're pretty and faithful. I, yeah. And I agree with that now, but as an 11, 12 year old, 13 year old, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as word for word it needs to be on the screen and how come it's not i didn't know about like the logistics of making a movie and you can't have a <laughs> four-hour movie i mean <laughs> last episode kind of proved that wrong but <laughs> <laughs> no i those movies are super great at it they, they actually trim a lot of the fat and some of the fat is good in the books like just meandering in the classrooms and stuff of, the in class like yeah. the assignments they work on and stuff yeah but uh, we already did a whole episode on Harry Potter. I know, Potter, I, know. I was one. just like throwing Easter eggs yeah. from that episode with Kittleson. Yeah. Great episode also, check it out. But another thing that I love about reading and something that I've rediscovered is that I've really gone back into reading this year. And it's, it was one of my New Year's resolutions to always have a fiction and a nonfiction book on the go. It's been great for me like to limit my screen time and you just feel more productive. Like I'm actually doing something learning giving my eyes a break from content like if i want to watch like the office for the sixth or seventh time i forget at this point like it's <laughs> kind of a waste of time so i'd rather just sit on the couch and read for half an hour to an hour and then right before bed too like perfect way to, to fall asleep right so not only do we learn about what we're reading about like what's in the book but we're our vocabulary you're enhancing your vocabulary when you're reading and i know that's not a secret everyone knows that it does make you smarter it's not like me watching a stupid horror film will make me smarter and i still do that every night but reading you just develop the language basically and so you're you're killing two birds with you're you're having fun you're getting entertained by the book and you're getting smarter so i mean it's a win-win reading at night is perfect too it's like shutting down your brain almost like instead of just going to bed right away you just like slowly transition into the sleep and you're you've gone back into reading that's good i go through phases too like that i'm like i'll crush four books in like two months and then i won't read anything for two months so like i'll take a break but ever since the pandemic i've been reading a book constantly on the go and you know what i, I don't think i'll ever stop it's always nice to have something to read look forward to every night right and it's easy right now. Like, I think a lot of people are getting back into reading too. And I, I have a, a bunch of friends who are also getting back into it. And we're kind of like sharing books with one another. So a few of the books that I'm reading right now are actually books that people have passed on to me. So it's also a nice way to get together with people safely, of course. And like one of the books I'm reading right now, The 48 Laws of Power, which is a like this. It's a brick to get through. I'm only 57 pages in. 
but these are heavy pages like the print is very small and there are a lot of like anecdotes to the side as well in a nutshell this book is basically like life lessons about how to maximize your potential how to act in social situations each chapter is about a law of power to become more powerful if you will a lot of them are kind of dark too like i'll just read a couple of them like never put too much trust in friends learn how to use your enemies that's rule number two so that like sets the tone for what kind of book this is but honestly there are a lot of good lessons in here and what i really enjoy is that they use stories and anecdotes from history about like emperors and uh, former dynasty rulers and stuff so and it's kind of applicable to in the workplace for example or like just in social situations never outshine the master conceal your intentions so it's kind of teaching you to be a little shady being vague but i mean it's true like they say the loudest person in the room is usually the brokest that's actually from a rap song because the loudest in the room is usually the brokest <laughs> it's true you know so there's a lot of good stuff in here. I, I'm loving it right now. I definitely recommend 48 Laws of Power. Yeah, I've I've actually read half that. I remember reading that like years ago because my parents have it in their library. And I, rem- I remember specifically like law number one is never outshine the master. And like the yeah. cautionary tale is it was like from Louis the Fourteenth, the king of France, his court. And one of his sub one of his ministers like tried to like outdo him or take credit for something or he he may, he basically screwed up and like maybe lost his head for it. Don't go above your station. Don't embarrass your boss basically. It's like in a workplace, right? Exactly. This so. is a testament to Matt's memory. Like I just read this and I barely remembered it. So yeah, <laughs> it's but a the problem. Yeah. But the whole book like is prefaced by if you can't control your emotions, you'll never master any of these laws. It's all about don't show what you're thinking. Because what's scarier when you walk into a room? Someone who never shuts up and lets you know exactly what he's thinking or someone who's very quiet and is just, you don't know what he's thinking. Very scary. And it's true. Like they talk about that a lot in the book. Like we're always uncomfortable with people who don't say a lot. And then people try to assume what that person's thinking. And then they'll start rambling and make a fool of themselves. And the person who says less is just chilling and analyzing, taking in this information and taking control of the situation by barely lifting a finger. And it's very interesting. And uh, I'm glad you read a bit of it, Matt. Like it's a, it's a heavy read and I definitely have to focus. And I sit down, like I'm reading a textbook kind of back Mm -hmm. in uni. So, but I am enjoying it more than like prerequisite reading that I had to do for school. Like this is just more fun. I'm learning about exactly or everything and anything that I want to. And you made an interesting point, Eric. You said like, you're not reading it the same way you would like a fiction book. I know exactly what you mean. Like a fiction novel, I'd just like glance over the words and not really think twice about them. But for if I'm reading Law of Power, I'd be like digesting every word and sentence and taking my time and like understanding what I'm reading. Oh, I've had to reread paragraphs like three times. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which is important to do. Yeah. You're reading something else too at the moment? Yeah, I've got two more. So okay. actually, I said earlier I'm doing one fiction, one nonfiction on the go. Well, like I mentioned in the last episode, our cousin Sarah lent me like nine graphic novels. So I've actually also included having a graphic novel on the go. So my, wow. I'll just go with the graphic novel. I'm reading Justice League Volume 2, The Villain's Journey, which is super fun to read. I talked about this a little last episode. The images are unreal, just super fun to look at. The story moves so quickly because they can just jump like a fight scene can literally last two 
boxes, which wow. is fine by me. Whereas on the screen, like in a movie, obviously you want it to last like 10, 15 minutes. In the comic, it's fine because you know you're getting so much. I'm learning a lot about these characters I've read now. This is my fourth Justice League comic that I've read since the wow. last episode. So I'm definitely just acquiring DC knowledge right now. It's great. And my other book is a French novel, actually, called Arsène Lupin, oh. Gentleman Cambriolard by Maurice Leblanc. So this is actually Zach, my bro, passed it on to me. It's really fun to read. Like, I'm really enjoying reading a book in French. Like, I liked watching the show in French. This is kind of just enhancing my understanding of the character Arsène Lupin. And when I'm reading this book, I'm picturing Lupin as Omar, Omar Sy, yeah. the actor who played um, Asanzi up in the show. Like, they're describing him in this novel as like, oh, white male, blonde hair, blue eye. Like, nope, that's not my Arsène Lupin. So I'm really enjoying this book. I mean, it's a little repetitive. Like, uh, Lupin is always in control of the situation. He, he may be caught by um, the detective, but you know it's because he meant to be caught and you know he's going to escape. But, you know, it's just a fun, low-risk read. And the big takeaway for me is, like, I'm reading in French, so it's something that I want to keep doing. And, um, yeah, if anyone has any French novel recommendations for me, hit me up, please. That's what I got on the go right now. Is that book, Eric, like a collection of stories or one whole story? It is. It's a collection of collection. stories. I'm in the third one right now. That's cool. And I need to start reading in French as well, because the less I do it, the more I'm going to like lose my vocabulary. So you saying that is just another kick for me to like do, get her done. For French, like uh, the French I use is kind of for the most part, like on a daily basis, like at home, Andy and I will talk in French. We're normally saying like the same thing. Obviously, we're going back and forth in French and English there. And then like with my mom and Zach, we'll talk in French a little and at work, it's quite limited. And then like sometimes I'll be asked to do something in French, which I definitely can. But sometimes the words don't always come to me as quickly as they would in English. And, you know, it kind of sucks. So it's fun to uh, get back into the French game and um, want to keep furthering that. Well, I don't have anything to add to that. I completely agree. My dad and my sister are the only ones I speak French to. So the book I'm reading right now is actually a nonfiction. It's a biography on a Hollywood screen legend by the name of Cary Grant. So it's an, a biography on Cary Grant. And I'm like just in the beginning stage where he gets his name changed because he wasn't born Cary Grant. But it's all about his life and I can't wait to like read more into it. He's just a famous guy in comedy basically in the 30s, 40s, 50s. I don't know if you've heard of North by Northwest, the Hitchcock movie. Very famous movie. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got on the go. Easy read. I haven't read many biographies. The only one that I, that comes to mind, anyway, well, actually there are two. One that I've read is um, Gucci Mane's autobiography. Mm. Loved it. It was great. Super fun. It actually got me into his earlier music. And the other one, which I kind of like halfway through, never finished, still have at my house, uh, lent to me from a friend Ryan Ofei called the book is called Shoe Dog, which is um, the biography of the guy who founded Nike. Phil Knight. Knight. Yeah, Phil Knight. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a really solid book, but I just never got around to finishing it. Kind of like the opposite of an American Gods, Ooh. whereas wherein I enjoyed this book and just never finished it. And with American Gods, I hated it and then just didn't finish it. So. <laughs> I never finished that one either. I think we already mentioned that like a year yeah, we ago. Talk, we talked about yeah. it. So yeah, I mean, those are the only two I can think of off the top. I kind of want to read um, Obama's 
uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's uh, biographies, actually. Have you read either of them? No, but I remember, no, but I, I've seen the books many times at the store. And you know what? I need to get more into biographies and stuff like that, like especially autobiographies. It's just because you get such an inside look into someone's mind and someone as great as Barack or, or Michelle Obama, right? Like you get their insight on how they think. So it's great. We all know I like I'm obsessed with movies. I mean, like you can see the movies behind me, Eric. Every time I want to sit down and read, there's always this debate in my head. I'm like, well, do I want to read right now or do I want to watch like an hour of a movie? You know, it's it's a daily struggle. Time is limited for everybody. It's the most valuable commodity on earth. So it's always like, do I read or do I watch a movie? And I feel like every time I pick reading and then I'm finished reading for the night I'm like oh why didn't I do this why don't I do this more often and I always have that, those thoughts like I should read more I should read more I'll let you go first Eric but like book versus movie I know we love both what would be like advantages or disadvantages to both actually just throw that out there on the spot right now comparative essay action yeah okay well right off the bat it's easier to watch a movie you don't have to think as much you know you just throw it on you're entertained for the most part like if you're choosing a book a good movie your money figure, your next two hours are set. Mm-hmm. Reading, you got to put that work in. But when you get in the flow of just crushing pages, very few greater feelings. There are definitely a lot of greater feelings, but <laughs> it's it's really good. Like you love, it's a, <laughs> you feel good about yourself. And especially if it's a good story, like when you're reading a page turner, you don't oh, want no. the book to end, honestly. Like it's always bittersweet. So you don't really get that with a movie. You don't really get that like, oh, I, well, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. You're like, when I'm done with a movie, I won't really think like, ah, I wish it wasn't done. Normally, like it resolves itself well and you're happy. Whereas with a book, and I guess this could be a pro and a con. You're like, ah, like I don't want this to end, but it's so good. Like I have to finish it, you know, like you're chasing that high of like what's going to happen next. You're working for it. You've earned these words the the movie is just like given it's just you got it yeah so that would be my like initial thought right away do you want to add on the pros and cons i can definitely speak more on like the book versus movie aspect there but what are your pros and cons well my pros and cons is is similar to yours where again i i adore movies more than anything but like okay the feeling let's take a movie for example that i love goodfellas my number one favorite movie of all time the feeling when I watch Goodfellas is amazing. Smile on my face. It takes me back to when I was 15. I just, I remember every scene as they're coming up in the dialogue. But I'm still aware of what I'm doing. Like, I'm sitting down watching a movie. You know, will I look at my phone? Probably not. But I know it's there. Like, it, it's an option to look at the time or see if I have a notification. I'm still aware of what I'm doing outside of watching Goodfellas. But when I'm reading a great novel, and I've read so many great fantasy novels or, like, a Stephen King novel, which he's one of my favorite authors. I will not think of anything else but what I'm reading. And time stops. An hour or two can go by, and I will not know an hour or two went by. I will not even glance at my phone or where it's at. It's like I'm in a trance when I'm reading something that I love. And then I'll look at and then I'll stop, and I'll be like, oh my god, two hours went by. It's two in the morning. And I don't know about you, Eric, but there's several times in my life where I've read a whole book, in one sitting all like I've done all nighter because I, I could literally I couldn't I, I was committed to finishing this book because I did not want to I had to know how it ended and I sacrificed sleep many times because of that reading a good book like an amazing book puts me more into like a trance than watching a masterpiece of a movie I don't know it just hypnotizes me more than a movie 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, for sure, me too. Like, I've been in that zone that I just had to finish the yeah. book, and like, I sacrificed sleep to finish a book, no doubt. Mm-hmm. All of all, that being said, though, also done that with a movie, right? Like, no, it's not the same experience. Definitely not. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And time gets away from you. I'm also not looking at my phone while I read, so that's another good point for reading. It's a problem for everybody, I think, the phone being right there when you're watching a TV show or a movie. I'm not going to, like, bullshit anyone. Like, yeah, it's very hard for me not to look at my phone when I'm watching Mm -hmm. a movie or a TV show. Yeah, and it's like when you're sitting down committed to reading a book, you just don't want to interfere with that. Like, it's more of a – I don't want to say it's a task to read a book, but you're committed to it. And if you like, you literally cannot text and read at the same time. So you're making a conscious choice about I'm committing to reading yeah, yeah. and blocking out the outside world. And it's a hell of an escape. You talk about reading or watching a movie or TV show for escapism. You're way more dialed into your world when you're reading than when you're watching a movie or a show. So that's another pro. It's more fulfilling. And like, what are you going to get more satisfaction out of? Watching Goodfellas for the 20th time or whatever, or reading a brand new book for the first time that you're really into, want to know what's going to happen next. Like, you can watch mm-hmm. Goodfellas on autopilot, or I'm just using Goodfellas yeah. here as an example. But, like, even any movie that I've seen before, I kind of feel like, ah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this. I love this movie, Reservoir Dogs, but, like, kind of a waste of time, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you, you could be doing something brand new for the first time. You could be learning how to. Um, make a vase out of clay if that's what you want to do but instead you're just watching the the movie you've seen a bunch of times so you get what i'm saying and i fall into that rut where that happens to me all the time but discovering a new book i don't know if there's like one of the greatest feelings of like oh wow why haven't i read this before i didn't know this masterpiece existed under my very nose discovering awesome stuff is great movie or book and a book just lasts longer right you're getting 20 hours of excitement and escapism talk about how hard is it to find a new book though i feel like that it's it's way easier to find a movie than to a book first of all because i think unless you're affiliated to a group of book connoisseurs you're more likely to get a movie recommendation than a book recommendation but for me i have a hard time finding like good especially fiction non-fiction i feel like there are a lot out there that i haven't read or heard of we've only had a hundred years of movies being made and we've had like a thousand of books being written so i don't even want to know how many books come out every week like does anyone keep track of that all the new releases like i can barely keep up with movies books is a whole other ball game because there's like 20 different genres and uh more on that later because the the list i've prepared dips into each different genre of books did we want to get into like listener faves or recommendations before we get into our own, Eric? Or Kind of on books versus movies. Okay. I had a, an, a couple of examples of book or movies that I think are better than the book. Whoa. Because I Googled a few. Um, obviously, like the, the adage goes that the book is always better than the movie, which is normally the case. Yeah. Like I just read Gone Girl and watched the movie not long after. Definitely preferred the book. No doubt. I also read The Girl on the Train. Love that book. Not going to watch the movie because I've heard that it wasn't that great. Knowing that, I don't need to watch it. So, and another one like The Hobbit. Classic book. The decision making of making that one short novel into three movies was... They're doomed. They're Mount Doomed from the start. So, movies that I preferred to the book. 
which I just read not too long ago. I actually preferred the movie Jurassic Park over the novel Jurassic Park. A lot of people loved this novel by Michael Crichton. I definitely enjoyed it, but I found that the actors elevated these characters on the page a lot, especially, obviously, Jeff Goldblum. Ian Malcolm, his character in the novel, is definitely meant to be somewhat humorous. He was kind of like an unbelievable character, and the stuff he was saying was like you would never see someone in real life say any of these things, whereas they found a fine line in the movie to make his ridiculous statements about like chaos theory and stuff more believable and accessible to the viewer, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So, definitely Jurassic Park, the movie greater than the book and then i haven't read these books so i can't actually speak on this but i think having tried to read the lord of the rings novels i'm gonna go with the movies are better than the books now this is a very uninformed opinion because i have not read all the three lord of the rings books but i remember getting like i want to say 200 pages into the fellowship of the ring and we were still in the shire mm-hmm. old gaffer was ordering pints I don't know. I've just found it maybe a little too descriptive and slow, but I love the universe, so maybe I should give those books a chance. Matt, have you read the Lord of the Rings novels? I have. I'll back you up, Eric. I like the movies more than those books. Peter Jackson, when they were adapting the screen, like doing the screenplay, they shuffled the order of the chapters around and made it more events taking place simultaneously in the movies, whereas the books are going to get one whole shot of... Frodo and Sam's journey from like them parting the fellowship to Shelob like it's all in one shot in the book you don't get like you don't get to see what Aragorn's doing with the gang till like another half of the book Peter Jackson simultaneously paced every scene like concurrent with each other so that was a brilliant decision he trimmed all the unnecessary fat in the first book and even like diehard Tolkien fans will admit that the first half of fellowship is is a grind Halfway through the book, you get, they get to Elrond and Rivendell for the council. Oh, it, it's it, it's a slog. The Helm's Deep battle in the book is like three, four pages, and in the movie you get this epic, like forty-five minute battle climax scene intercut with all the Frodo stuff, which is great. And they spent like two and a half years, even before they shot Lord of the Rings, to like prep the movie and like establish it as make it as perfect as possible, basically. And the Lord of the Rings are like some of the finest achievements in cinema in terms of like production wise. So yes, those to me, those movies are better than the books. And that's not taken away from Tolkien. Like he created all these, he, his world building is tremendous, but is his reading very, I don't know, his reading feels very old school to me and slow. I'll back you up there, Eric. So actually there are two more these. I have not read the books, but I was just wondering if you had, because I know we've both seen the movies. So No Country for Old Men is based on a novel. Have you read the book, Matt? I read the book twice, actually. It's just as good as the movie. Okay. And just quickly, the Cormac McCarthy, every time he writes a book, every time there's dialogue, he doesn't say who says the dialogue. So you got to be paying attention wow. and know who's talking. And that's a style. And it just it makes for a really quick read. Rapid fire dialogue in the book. And like got to pay attention because you don't know. There's no says the character. Like it's all figure it out i love it okay and the other one was silence of the lambs have you read that book i like the movie more the book's fantastic too though okay but the movie the movies yeah i read i think i talked about on one of our episodes i read red dragon and hannibal rising which i really enjoyed but i didn't want to read silence of the lambs because i had already seen the movie a few times maybe it would be worth them 
revisiting. See, I can't picture reading that book without picturing Jodie Foster's face, Anthony Hopkins's face. I would have to I would have to go back in time and read the book, you know, before I was born when it came out. Is it not okay though to read the book having those images in mm. your mind? Like when I read Jurassic Park, for example, Dr. Alan Grant, I had um, insert that actor's name in as Sam Neill. Yeah. And like Ian Malcolm was obviously um Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Those are the only ones I got for you. So on the movie, I mean, movie versus book, so much we could say. A book by default will always be better because there's more of it. You would have, if you made an eight hour movie showing the exact scenes from the book, like every single thing that happens in the book into a movie, then you could fairly compare them and say it'd be fair. But a book will always have way more stuff. So how it's very hard for a movie to excel over a book just based on that fact. Jurassic Park did the John Williams score in Jurassic Park like is one of the most iconic <laughs> that's what things puts ever. it over the top <laughs> and the T-Rex right the visuals yeah, Spielberg's a master that's all I'm gonna say a series would be better to, a whole book made into a TV series has a way fair a fair chance for a TV series to be better than the book because there's 10 hours of content right so do you want to get into like our um, recommendations and um, favorite books that we got from um, some listeners? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to start off with uh, Tante Nicole, actually, because we talked about Lord of the Rings, and that was actually her submission. And she wanted to add on the submission saying, having visited Hobbiton in New Zealand, which is on my list, I want, I need to go there, was a phenomenal experience that definitely is um, one of the greatest thrills I've experienced in my life. Our Uncle Pat also loved it. Impossible not to fall under its charm. And then she read Lord of the Rings the summer after graduating from Teachers College. Oh, wow. And actually, this comes back to what you were saying earlier, Matt. Barely slept for three days. Was so enthralled in this universe. I read these books regularly. Wow. So I got to get awesome. on it. Lord of the Rings. Tandy awesome. Thank you for the submission. I know it, that feeling of not sleeping because you have to finish it. I've done that with so many fantasy series, but more on that later. Okay, let's go. Is Hobbiton on your list as well, though, New Zealand? That's yeah, a big but trip. my list, Eric, I haven't even started my list yet. So, yes, it's <laughs> on there, but not at the top. Roman, Roman Paris are at the top for me. Nice. So Roman Paris would be like, like we could talk about like a travel list for you. Movie list for me would be like maybe The Matrix for you, which like more on that later. But um, okay, so thank you, Tanika. Next one we got was from the homie Hip Hop Fiend 85, right. Brandon, I believe. Yeah. So I had asked, what is your favorite book of all time? He responded, fiction is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And all-time fave is Autobiography of Malcolm X. So thank you, Brandon. Two great recommendations. I have not read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but I really want to love that movie. I've seen it quite a few times. It's been years since I've seen it, so I'd be due for a rewatch. But actually, my brother did, a, I think, a book report in high school on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he loved the book. Yeah, me too. I haven't read it. Great movie, though, eh? Third, only the third movie to win the five big Oscars. So, yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. And um, autobiography of Malcolm X. I mean, I feel like that'd be very powerful reading material and eye-opening. I don't really know that much about his story, and um, I think it would be very pertinent for me to read. Me too. I don't know enough about Malcolm X. Only what's in the Spike Lee movie with Denzel Washington, but that's just a movie, right? So 
Mm-hmm. I'd love to read the auto. I'd read the autobiography in a heartbeat, like because you're getting history and then like an important figure's point of view. So absolutely. So then the next submission was actually from your mom, so yes. Aunt Mary. So her submission was: It's funny. I've read thousands of books and never reread any of them except for. <laughs> Le Petit Prince. Ah, wow. I did not expect that answer. I think that's the book that's been translated the most um, globally. Have you read Le Petit Prince? Yes. Well, I kind of was forced to. My mom has like 20 copies of it in in her library. (laughs) Like they're just... So no wonder she Probably keeps buying (laughs) copies of it just for fun. I mean, it's ultra like famous in culture and stuff and it's very it probably has messages that i bet you if i reread it now i would understand it more but i haven't read it since i was like a teenager but i know she loves that book so that, that's a good answer she didn't know what she told me she didn't know what to write and i'm like just write four or five books if you don't know but that's a great answer mom thanks for uh, submitting one yeah i also read this i think at least once if not twice in high school because i had to do a some sort of project or analytical essay on it. dissertation sur ça. So yeah, Le Petit Prince, I mean, it's a classic. I do not have 20 copies of it, but maybe I should get one and reread it again. It's been a, it's been a minute. So yeah, thank you, Tom Mary. The next one was from the homie Ezra, representing from Finland. His recommendation was Sapiens by Harari. Have you ever heard of or read this book, Matt? It sounds familiar, but I've, yeah, I don't know what it's about. I mean, I feel like I've heard of that the name of the book, Sapiens, before. I want to say, like, I'm just picturing right now the cover of this book is like a, a monkey ev- developing into a man. Like, there's four stills. A Brief no, History of Humankind. Okay, That's yes, the heard. subtitle. Okay, well, not even close. So the next one was from, thank you, Ezra. The next submission was from Camille Blanchard-Seguin. So her favorite book of the last year has been Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is a love story between the son of the U.S. president and a prince from the U.K.'s royal family, and it was honestly the perfect book. Super easy to read, enthralling, covers important stuff, and pretty funny. So solid uh, Never heard of it. mix cool. of everything. Yeah, me neither. That's her favorite book of last year. Of last year, yes. Okay. I would be curious to see her list of like every year what her favorite book is. That could be another episode right there. Like, yeah. okay, 20, 2008, go. <laughs> I mean, we've done it for movies, so why not books? I never thought to do that for a book, actually. Never thought to do that. Yeah, that'd be tough. I don't know how many like Which, very yeah. re- modern books I would Which have. Which begs the question, movie. Eric, how many books could you read in a year to like make sure you've covered enough to make a good list? What do you think a good number is to make like a top three favorite of the year do you think you need to read 20 10 30 is that even possible yeah i think it's possible i mean 52 yeah. weeks in a year i've read a lot of books so far like, i'm keeping a, a tally of every book i've read so far like, i have it on my phone yeah i mean to have like a concise list i think you have to have at least i'd say like one for every two weeks so okay. 26 books okay maybe even bump those numbers up to 30 and then trim the fat Reading 30 books in a year, you can definitively say, like, yeah, these are my, my favorites of the year, and, like, these are strong recommendations. Unless you're just plowing through some Garfield comics. I like that answer. At least one a week to, to make it, like, fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you, Camille. And then our next submission was from our uncle Pat. He says, as per usual, my suggestions sit somewhere in the distant past. 
Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Visions of Gerard by Jack Kerouac, who was actually his introduction to the Beat Poets. The Teachings of Don Juan by Carlos Castaneda. Very diverse list. Did you read Catcher in the Rye for like academic purposes, Eric? No, I've never read it, actually. We have it in our library here. So um, because of Pat's submission, that's going to be my uh, my next book after uh, Arsène Lupin, Gentleman Cabriolard. That's going to be my next one. I've always wanted to read Catcher in the Rye. And that the Jack Kerouac book, he ta- the, the Visions of... Uh, I for- I'm sorry, I forget the title. But I've read his other book, On the Road, Jack Kerouac's On the Road, and it was great, actually. Completely different from any book I've ever read. Like the style and the narrative. Visions of Gerard. Visions of Gerard. I would I would read that one too, just because I liked his previous book. And the other one, The Teachings of Don Juan, I mean, no idea what that is. So, I mean, I'm intrigued. My Uncle Pat's never steered me wrong with recommendations, so. Yeah, no, he has uh, a vast... Vast knowledge, right? Of... Yeah. So the last um, wave of submissions is from my mom. So her suggest submission was The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson, Harry Potter, classic, and The Hunger Games series as some of her all-time fave books series. So I absolutely agree on both those series. Have not read The Rosie Project, but it's on the list. My mom's read it twice, actually. So would definitely recommend. Apparently it's an easy read, like pretty, um, like kind of 40-year-old virgin-esque, she said, like the... The main character is kind of a loser and then gets a, a girl who's maybe a little out of his league and things start looking to look up for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Never heard of it. So yeah, I'm intrigued too. When you read it, you'll let me know. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, thanks to everyone for the submissions. Love hearing from you all. And um, I mean, that's how um, we find out about books, right? Like you can easily type like our oh, best uh, movies of 2020 or 2021 and then you'll just find movies to watch. But for books, like, it's really tough. I don't know. I have a harder time to find, especially more modern books that I can take a shot on. Like, you're taking a flyer on this because it's more of a full commit, especially if you're buying a book, right? So It's now a good time to jump into, because I prepared a top five of my favorite, but they're really, like, a top five. Five books that I would recommend, and each of these books is from a different, like, genre of book. You would find it in a different section at chapters. So I don't know if we want to jump into that. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay, so in each one of these books, I have a little, not a story, but I remember reading, I remember specifically when I read each of these books and like, they hold a special place in my heart. First book is called Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. And Wise Guy is a true crime nonfiction book. Basically, the author interviewed a an ex-mafia uh, member who was like, who was like a snitch and did a little bit of time in jail. He, he basically, he was in the witness protection program after being in the mob for about 30 years of his life or 40 years. So this man that the, that the author interviews is called Henry Hill. And you're basically getting a, a day-to-day life of a gangster in New York in the Italian mob. And the book really goes into details like how they would like extort money and like fix basketball games like college basketballs, like ask player to like shave points and like threaten people and credit card scams and heists at airports. Like this is really detailed. And I mean, I mean, if this sounds familiar, it's because they adapted this book into a movie called Goodfellas. <laughs> this is the book it's based on. Of. So shout out to Goodfellas again. 
And I did not bring it up on purpose before. It just happened to be that way. It's organic. But Wise Guy is the book it's based on. Of It's basically Goodfellas times 100 more details. Very scary encounters with, like, killers. I love Wise Guy. It's, they were going to name the movie Wise Guy, not Goodfellas. But, like, there was a TV show called Wise Guy. So they wanted to distance themselves from it. And this author, Nicholas Pileggi, also wrote Casino. That was made into a movie as well. So he's very into the true crime, like chronicling. Great book. Very easy to read. I read it like two, three times now. You almost like want to be a gangster when you read this book. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Eric, I think you'd love this book, actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love Goodfellas. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to. I knew it was based on a book, too. So, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I'd love to read that. My second book. For those who don't know, Stephen King is probably in my top five favorite authors of all time. I've read like over 20 of his books easily huge Stephen King fan I'll go buy his new book whenever it comes out and read it yes Stephen King is getting old and his quality has dipped a little bit and he Stephen King even says his he struggles with his endings the the the, the joke is Stephen King is a great writer but his endings are always like lackluster and aren't very good they even joke about that in the movie it chapter two, it two yeah. laughing at himself right so the book the stephen king book i'm recommending to you guys is the dead zone phenomenal book i know it's a i'm not going to talk about the movie i know it's a movie a very good movie with uh christopher walken but this book is phenomenal i'm just gonna quickly read that like say the premise eric and you tell me how free like how scary this is so our main character john smith He's dating like the love of his life. But then one day, like something happens. He gets he gets into a car accident, not caused by himself, like just something happens in his brain and he sees something and then he gets hit by a truck, wakes up from a coma five years later. But to John, it's only been like one day in his mind. But he wakes up five years later. His girlfriend thought he'd never wake up. She went and married off somebody else and has a kid. So imagine only a day goes by in your mind and but then you see your your girlfriend married to somebody else with a kid and your life's completely different and you're like what happened how scary is that like heartbreaking yeah, pretty right? terrifying for yeah. sure but this accident caused him gave him some powers he can basically if he touches somebody he gets premonitions if you're about to do something evil he'll see what you're about to do or something good like he can touch somebody's hand and know they're a serial killer for instance or know that know their worst secret basically so the book's very episodic. One part, he like helps to hunt down a serial killer. Another part, he's trying to take down like a politician. He, he gets visions of like accidents that are going to happen and tries to stop them. But it's very well written, character you can relate to. And it's just a very solid book. And that's all I'm going to say. The Dead Zone by Stephen King. Have you heard of the movie or the book, Eric? I haven't heard of the book or the movie, to be honest. So, But it sounds interesting for mm. sure. I've never read any Stephen King novels either, so I'd love to get into his uh, worlds he's created. So I know they're lengthy books. Like I've seen, I wanted to read the book It before the second one came out there, but it's just such a, a gorgonzola brick of cheese. So I couldn't, uh, I didn't want to commit to that book. But The Dead Zone, for sure, I'd like to read that. Glad to hear there's no ill will against his wife or his ex-girlfriend. I mean, he's pretty understanding that, you know, yeah, it's been five years. I've been, I've been a little MIA, so it's all good. I understand. Yeah, there's some really touching scenes with that. The movie is phenomenal, actually. Like, I'm downplaying how good the movie is, too, but this isn't a movie show. But yeah, Stephen King's, I've read his bricks and yeah, sometimes you read the whole brick and then it ends and you're like, oh, well, that was a bit of the journey was better than the destination type thing, you know. 
but are you endorsing this book that the ending does not fall in that category for his I, other I think books? this is one of his most solid endings, yes. I put the dead zone right up there with the shining and Carrie and Pet Cemetery for his like his top five. Okay, the next book, and I, I think you've read this, Eric. Like, I'll feel dumb if you haven't read this, but I'm pretty sure you did. It's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson, a self-help book. I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk too much about this because we already had like the mental health episode we did, and we've, I just want to say this book really helped me out during a hard time I was going through like three years ago, and some of the ideas in the book changed the way I was thinking and still like helps me to this day. Like I still like think about stuff in this book. So that's all I'm going to say. What did, uh, I know you, so you have read it, Eric? Yeah. Yeah. Great book. I actually lent it to Sarah. We get, we did like a little gift exchange or book exchange. And, um, I gave her that one book and she gave me like nine comics. So it's fair uh, exchange. And, but no, I mean, it's, I think it is because that book has a lot of gems in it and it's a super easy read. I loved his writing style too. And I'm going to reread it because I, I just crushed it. And I think there's a lot to learn and take away from mm -hmm. it. Just like how seriously we take some situations. And sometimes you just got to let go of um, the notion that, like, or that you need control of a situation and uh, yep. just got to let things occur the way they're meant to, you know? In the end, the universe tends to unfold as it should. When there's a lot of good stuff in there, and I, I really enjoyed reading the book. Me too. And quick, quick anecdote. I don't know if you know this, but in 2018, I worked at Chapters for one month. On the overnight shift, I was stocking books for the holiday season, like for Christmas. This book, I swear, every night we'd receive more boxes of this book. It was everywhere. That little stupid orange book, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I was like, why is this book so popular? Like, we'd constantly be stocking a whole section just full of this book. So that really, like, that's where I was like, what the heck is this book? So I finally bought it, obviously. And now I know why it's so popular, because it's awesome. But I remember every night, that same stupid orange book everywhere, trying to find spots to put it and, like, stock it. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh -uh. gold. Yeah. No, I remember, like, around that year, eh, like, 2018, yeah. that's when it was really popping. And I remember whenever I'd go, like, a Chapters or, like, an Indigo or a Coles, there was always that display of those books. And I was like, how is this, like, are people actually reading this book? Yeah. And I kind of dismissed it. It was yeah. kind of like the Shazam of books. <laughs> Just judged it based off on the cover. And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, like, a little less than three years later, I'm, I I really I devoured that book really quickly. It's, like, less than 200 pages or something, so... That is gold, Eric. That should be on the book, the Shazam of self-help books. But no, that's that's a gold uh, story for sure. Okay. So yeah, what's your um, what's your next one? Two more, and they'll be like the last one's really quick. But this one here, okay, this is a fantasy book. Fantasy is without a doubt the genre of which I've like sampled a lot of different different authors' work, gone through their whole series. I probably follow about eight authors right now. Where when their new one comes out, I'll go buy it and read it. Someone at work when I used to work at Farmboy recommended me this author's work. So his name is Joe Abercrombie. He's a fantasy author. The first book that you want to start with, it's called The Blade Itself, and it's a trilogy. And I'm not, we're not going to get into the plot because it'll be way too complicated, but all, all you guys need to know is it's got four main characters, and each chapter talks about one character at a time, kind of like Game of Thrones. And so you got four characters, one who's a barbarian, one who's a nobleman, one who's a wizard, 
and one who's like a cripple and an inquisitor, like he's a torturer police guy. I'm going to read this from the back of the book. Murderous conspiracies rise to the surface. Old scores are ready to be settled. And the line between hero and villain is sharp enough to draw blood. Unpredictable, compelling, wickedly funny, and packed with unforgettable characters. The Blade itself is noir fantasy with a real cutting edge. To me, when I was reading it, it was a bit like Game of Thrones. Like really funny dialogue. Like people insulting each other and black, dark humor but mixed in with amazing action sequences, like whenever characters fight with their swords or bows or, you know, any, anything, very well done. And it's violent, but it's not too over the top. The Blade itself, it's a great trilogy. He, this author has maybe 12 books now and a lot of it in the world of The Blade itself. And I follow it up, like every time the book comes out, I buy it, read it right away in a couple days. That's how much I love this author's work. And again, it's Joe Abercrombie. Sweet. Okay. So again, like this might be books that I, I might want to borrow from you here. Like this definitely sounds like right in my wheelhouse. Like I need a new, if anything, if I can get my hands on like a trilogy or a series of novels in the same universe, I'd love that. And those are really hard to come by, even though they're kind of a dime a dozen. If you go in the fantasy section, like there's an abundance of riches and you don't know, like, is there anything actually good in here? But just based on the name, the blade itself, I'm in like, yeah. I'm, and the description you've given, of course. Yeah. Everyone who's read the like, my I made my mom read these too, and the characters are what sell it. They have like, they're just the names are great, the descriptions, the way they interact. There's about eight books in this particular world that he's built. I mean, more coming out as we're talking. So there's one that came out last year, completely devoured. Like I was staying up till three, four in the morning reading the latest one because I just loved it so much. Okay, I'm gonna move on to my last book before I keep nerding out about fantasy no, books. No, no, no. But keep doing so okay this last book this is a uh, this is a movie book actually i'm gonna uh, preface this story by saying i bought this book this book was purchased by me in san francisco when we went me and my family we went on a trip in 2008 i saw this book at the bookshop and it's called the great movies by roger ebert roger ebert's probably one of the most famous film critics of all time he had a show on TV in Chicago, Siskel and Ebert, where they pretty much invented like the thumbs up method, thumbs up, thumbs down. You see it in a lot of DVD cases, two thumbs up, one thumb up. He basically, he started that. He's only also one of the only film critics to win a Pulitzer Prize. So, and he was very like outspoken about that. And a lot of people didn't like Roger Ebert because he was kind of cocky and Roger and he, Roger Ebert is what was super opinionated. Like, if he hated something, yeah, zero star. Like, he'll tell you, like, no, that movie was bad. And there's famous clips on YouTube of him on the show, like, going at it with Siskel and, like, them arguing over a movie. Say what you want about Roger Ebert's taste. The man wrote super well. Great writer. This book here, The Great Movies, is just a collection of uh, reviews of what he considers, like, the greatest American movie. Uh, no, not American. The greatest worldwide movies of all time. There's three volumes now, but the first one has all the classics and also a lot of foreign films that people might not know about. And it's literally four pages at the most on each movie and basically a mini essay on as to why he likes the movie and why the movie will be remembered. I'd like to read all the movies that are in this book. Like, it'll maybe take a minute or two, Eric, but I think it's very interesting... This is alphabetical order of the movies in The Great Movies by Roger Ebert. So there's 2001 A Space Odyssey, The 400 Blows, Eight and a Half, Aguire the Wrath of God, 
Ali, Fear Eats the Soul, All About Eve, The Apartment, Apocalypse Now, The Apu Trilogy, Battleship Potemkin, Beauty and the Beast, Belle de Jour, The Bicycle Thief, The Big Sleep, Blow Up, Body Heat, Bonnie and Clyde, Chinatown, Casablanca, City Lights, Citizen Kane. And you know what? I'm going to stop there because this is a lot. <laughs> There's actually a lot more titles than I, I gonna thought. It's going to be a long list. <laughs> Just me reading those like 10, 12 titles or more. That gives you like an overview of what kind of movies I'm talking about. Like some of them are Hollywood classics. And then a lot of those that I mentioned are foreign films. So, I mean, you got The Godfather in there and Wizard of Oz. Like think of all the big Hollywood epics. Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia. Those, those big movies. Every, every uh, review, though, on these movies, completely fascinating, though, Eric. Um, makes you appreciate the movie. Every time, you wanna, every time you go watch one of those movies, you want to go read what he wrote about it because he offers a lot of insight on each movie. I feel like I've seen that book in, like, yeah. um, where was it? Like a Barnes & Noble. Yes, yeah. yeah, for sure seen that book. Yeah. And, I mean, that's like an encyclopedia. If you're looking for movie yeah. recommendations, yeah. you just go through that and just hammer out titles on that. Well in said. that list that you're starting to read so yeah it's a long i there's over like 100 <laughs> movies so yeah i didn't i didn't think this through it's all good but it's when good, i was yeah, building my film knowledge like when i was entering the world of film like this book helped me like again pick recommendations like i went through this whole book movie by movie going okay i gotta find this movie now and there's only like two movies i haven't seen in this book so okay, there you go one of them's a documentary i haven't seen i'm like ah, i don't need documentaries are weird with me like I'll read a nonfiction book, no problem. But watching a documentary to me is, I don't know, something I, I don't do I'm enough. I'm with you, man. I mean, I've seen a few documentaries and like a few very good ones. But overall, like I just I have a hard time getting into them. I might even start one and then be like, yeah, I don't know. Like the narrator's voice is throwing yeah. me off. or uh, It's kind of like a weird full commit. Other than despite the fact that like reading is also a full commit, it's maybe there's that element of control that's fun and like you're while you're learning when you read and watching a documentary maybe um like docs are uh, maybe not as entertaining or like a little slower like there's less action to, especially if you're reading like a fiction all this to say documentaries are hit and miss with both of us i think yeah i can't agree more i think i'm super if if it doesn't grab me in 2 minutes the documentary i'm i'm checked out it's a short window but that's an accurate assessment. I've actually been watching. Speak. It's kind of funny that we're talking about documentaries because today and yesterday I watched some episodes of Our Planet on Netflix, narrated by David Attenborough. And oh, nice. I mean, talk about a, a soothing voice to listen to someone narrate, though. Great voice. Yeah. And it's just like that's been really fun to watch. Just seeing like all the different species of animals, mammals, fish, birds, what have you, on this planet, and like seeing some beautiful shots of nature. That I'm all I'm all in on. Super interesting to learn about, and just makes you appreciate life and the, the circle of life so much more. Yeah, there's a very like soothing quality about watching a narrated nature. Yeah, I I'm with you. I don't do that enough. I I don't know why. It's a great series on Netflix. Yeah. Only nine episodes, unfortunately, and they all cover like d- different ecosystems. So like forests, lakes, oceans. You got uh, deserts. Good stuff. Would definitely recommend. But yeah, great list, Matt, of um, the books. I mean, I'd, Thanks. I'd like to read all of them, to be honest. May just be asking for them in the near future. So as for me, I don't have a top five of recommendations off the top of my head, but I will just rattle off a couple of my favorites of all time. So we got, obviously, Harry Potter series. Definitely my favorites. Fictional novels. 
like I love the Harry Potter universe, did a full episode on it, but I just love the world that J.K. Rowling created. And as far as movies and books that both are incredible, I think you look no further than Harry Potter. The adaptations are phenomenal, but the books are better, right? Because you just get, like you said earlier in the episode, you get so much more of the, even like the minutia in the classroom and just expanding on literally every single situation just gets like a line of dialogue more, like a bit of more, a bit more description. It's just super fun to read. You just want more out of that universe. And the books really do a good job at that. Harry Potter. My mom said Hunger Games, that too. Love those books. Game of Thrones books. Absolutely love them. My only complaint is as of book number four, A Feast for Crows, that was a slog to get through because mm-hmm. book number one is a, is literally season one. It's an extremely faithful adaptation of the novel a game of thrones and i actually read the novels before watching the tv show so this is actually a testament to some great discipline of mine is that i read the book a game of thrones then watched season one and then read a clash of kings and didn't watch season two i stopped and just read book number two and then watched season two wow did the same for season three i read the third one storm of swords a storm of swords yes but that novel actually goes past season three into like seasons four and five. But up until that point, season four hadn't come out yet. So I was able to get ahead and I knew of like a bunch of deaths that were coming up. So I, I was able to be one of those snobs who was like, ah, ah, you know, it's I know it's coming and you don't. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like a neat advantage to have to have read the first five books before seasons four, five, six. And then obviously seven and eight were past them the books even six was yeah i love those books but like i like i was saying book number four was definitely a weak book for me because you're now following more minor characters this is where you start to get the point of view chapters for jamie and cersei who at that point like i wasn't really a fan of cersei at all and you're kind of starting to come around on jamie by this point of course and then you get you're getting so many other minor characters like i don't know if you remember this map but like all the sand a bunch of the sand snakes have their own pov chapters you got you're following brienne of tarth around westeros on what is the most pointless plot of all time (laughs) almost nothing happens her entire storyline in that novel up until the end where she ends up in like a skirmish with a few brigands whom one's name is called dick straw i don't know if you remember this (laughs) but like what a joke of a character (laughs) like she doesn't even interact with the hound which is something great that they adapted into the show to make her storyline a little better can we agree though game of thrones has like one of the best intro like to me the first three books and the first three seasons of the show or maybe four like Game of Thrones has one of the best set- setups in history for a world and an epic story. Agreed. That's the strongest part of Game of Thrones, in my opinion, the setup. Even up maybe to the halfway point, I think George needed to map the entire story before starting to write book one, which I know easier said than done. Like he's starting to, he wrote this like oh, so long ago, like he didn't know it was going to develop into this. Like he should have done a JK Rowling is what I'm saying and map out the entire story beginning, middle and end. Because the beginning and middle that we get is epic. Such a larger universe, though, that he created than yeah. JK. Like, yeah. he had even Essos in there. Yeah. And you're he's, that you're talking about creating a history for this world yeah. with the different ages of, like, the different yeah. t- Targaryen dynasties. Yeah. Of which I'm That's another book that I'm waiting to read, Fire and Blood, which outlines, like, the lineage of the tar- House Targaryen. So that's going to be another brick to go through. 
but I love that universe and it's super fun to um, learn more about it. Yeah, I agree, man. Seasons one to four are top notch. Like all the intrigue, especially around like the white walkers and Mm -hmm. stuff. Like there's so much mystery around them. And then you're starting to see them more and more in seasons five, six and seven. And then obviously eight is where you get the final showdown. I mean, it's no secret that the show did not end strongly especially after season six. Like that's where it really falls off for me. Season seven still gave us some good moments, but that's when it really became devoid of logic. And there are a lot of great YouTube videos on there that I highly recommend called just Game of Thrones season seven and Game of Thrones season eight devoid of logic for eight minutes straight. They're so funny. Like those videos cracked me up of just the the inconsistencies and just the things that make absolutely no sense. And you know, you don't want to harp on the negative because overall my experience with Game of Thrones is it's one of my favorite shows of all time. But you can't get away from the fact that yeah, it, the quality dips in the end. Yeah. I think it's objectively objectively there is a dip. Like I know film yes. is supposed to be subjective but like some physics don't even make sense in the last few seasons like stuff that like anyways we're not going to get into that like the dialogue is oh, sloppy yeah the the character progressions are just shattered yeah there's no consistency yeah. in like some decision making from characters john snow just got absolutely butchered and became a like a mumbling imbecile that could only utter the words i never wanted it i don't want it or you, you are, are my queen. queen. <laughs> like, obviously, it's I've taken true. this from those videos there. They just hammer Jon Snow in season eight for that. I don't know what else I can say. But, oh, man. Those first, actually, all the books are really good. They just stop. Like, Dance of Dragons ends really great. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on at the end, and then, oh, boom. What stops. an ending. Yeah. For all, like, for the three or four last character point of view chapters, oh, I remember were all cliffhangers. Phenomenal so good and i'm actually i'm if these books ever get released i am going to read them eagerly because you know it's going to be a different ending than what we've seen in the show there's no there's literally a zero percent chance that the book is going to end the the books are going to end the same way as the show did because now it's full creative control this is the george rr martin cut of game of thrones which is what the people need so and like the whole like john Connaughton plot i don't know if you remember about that character like egg and stuff that was super interesting so there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming there so if you haven't read the game of thrones books and you've seen the show and overall enjoyed it there is merit and value in reading those books maybe you can skip the first one because like i said it's literally season one yeah but if you want to get a bit more in-depth knowledge about the lore and like the hints about Jon snow's parentage are heavily hinted at in book one, or there's a lot more to pick up on. Obviously, you, you'd never just guess that. I would, I didn't know, but there's more, obviously way more background knowledge in there. Let's just hope that George is at home for the last year and a half, just pounding away at, on that typewriter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I hope it's not a typewriter and something more modern, but you know. No, he's old school for sure on the typewriter. Yeah. I think George got a little like not stage fright, but like you know when you have super high expectations for something and then your anxiety kicks in and it's like oh I don't mm-hmm. he's distracting himself with other projects you know so yeah exactly no one would want to live up to the the hype of the sh- like when that show came that the sh- TV show blew up the television world like let's not walk around the edges here like it's it's a huge milestone in television money wise like all the money they spent and quality wise hbo is a huge player now and they were before game of thrones but now they're like a monster any other series or books eric 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to throw in a book that I've read like a bunch of times, mostly because like I read this book in um, university in a third year English fantasy literature course called Paradise Lost by Ooh. John Milton. And it's the story of um, Lucifer who fell from heaven and became Satan, the, the fallen angels story. And it's written in prose, like kind of like poem style. And I mentioned this book because I literally use this as a um, a reference in almost every single essay I wrote in university. Like whenever I was short on a reference or like a I needed a quote, a citation, I would go to Paradise Lost and pull a, like a, a good versus evil quote or like the the internal conflict within Lucifer and what made him fall and become like Satan. And it just always worked. And my Profs are always like, did you come up with this yourself? Like, this is gold. <laughs> like, just little, little pump my own tires there. But it just always worked. And it was, a, like I said, a gold mine of quotes. And um, definitely recommend. It's a fun read, too. Different, wow. obviously. Like, up there with, like, Beowulf, author unknown. But, um, yeah, but I read some weird stuff in yeah. school. Is Paradise Lost a fun read or more of an academic read? Yeah, it's definitely more academic. Oh, okay. Like I haven't picked it up since <laughs> since okay. school, but I just wanted to throw that in there that like it's very relevant if you're looking for a quote or a resource if you're in univer- if you're in school right now and you're you're short on a good versus evil quote, Paradise Lost is your your fun read. Jeez, I would have liked that information a lot earlier. I had no <laughs> yeah, idea. Right? See? I heard the title, but I had no idea that it was great about title that. as well. I'm gonna call one of our episodes Paradise Lost one day. You heard it here first. Um, and the last one I want to recommend, which I also I read this year, it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't have it on me right now because I actually lent to pass it to my mom. She had read it before and just wanted to reread it again. A lot of good lessons in here. It was actually a recommendation from my homie, Krishore, two-time guest on the pod, just about how to better um, train yourself to form habits that will stick with you on a daily basis and I think I've done a good job at incorporating some of the principles that are in the book and I've like kind of developed a little routine of my own here now like after my work day I'll work out take a shower and then sit on the couch and read for like before it was just like read one chapter after a workout for example and it's just like by setting a time a location specifically for where you're going to perform a certain action just increases your likelihood of following through on that intended behavior. So for me, it was sitting on the couch right here where I'm recording the pod and just putting my phone away, read one chapter. Done. That's my task. Hey, if I want to keep going, I keep going. But it's just about really developing that routine. And that's how like a habit becomes second nature and you don't even think about it anymore. Now it's like I do my workout, I read after. It's like I don't even... It's a no-brainer. So a lot of good. Um, some of them are kind of obvious in there. If you're trying to either lose a bad habit you have or develop, you want to improve on certain things in your life and by setting structure and rigorous training, which isn't that hard actually. It's like you set your mind to something and follow certain steps. It's quite easy to accomplish any realistic goal you may have. And even for unrealistic goals, it sets like good um, strategies in place for you to achieve what may seem impossible is never impossible. Couldn't recommend this book more, more Matt, and to everyone here listening, especially if you liked like, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Atomic Habits by James Clear was okay. the book I read right after. I actually bought it based on Chris Shore's recommendation. I, I wasn't even done yeah. reading um, the previous book, and I already ordered it, got it, crushed it. 
great book. I think I'm going to I'm going to buy it actually. I I it really interests me, Eric. Like hearing you talk about it, I'm like I want to read this right now. The Atomic Habits. Okay. I want to read it again just hearing myself talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I want to reread the some of the books I was talking about earlier too. There you go. It's and funny you how that you works. You don't need to buy it. I could just lend it to you after my mom's done with okay. it. So. Okay. But yeah, if anyone has any book recommendations, just send them my way and then I can do the same. I guess that's all I got for now. But I've also been getting into like reading about like finance books too. Really? Because that's a lot of stuff that I didn't really learn about in school. And I, I think they don't do a good job about teaching in the curriculum in high school, especially like obviously if you go to university and you study business, then you'll learn about like inv- how to invest your money, how to properly save and prepare for Obviously, retirement's a big one, but just like how to budget and by like still enjoying yourself and spending money ef- efficiently and um, like on leisurely spending, yep. there's a good way of like instilling habits on how to spend and save smartly, you know? And I think reading a couple of books have um, helped me learn about certain things about finance. And uh... actually, there's a really good book put out by Dave Chilton who was on Dragon's Den. Yeah, I think yep. it was on Dragon's Den. He a book called The Wealthy Barber, and it's all about saving your money. And his base, his premise is you must save, and here's how, here's yeah. why, and here's how. And he says it's extremely important. So, my mom's actually, actually met him in person. Actually, she had to deal with him business wise. So, oh, okay, yeah, right. Fun on. fact. That is fun fact for yeah. sure. The Wealthy Barber. Okay, so I actually just finished reading The Wealthy Renter, which speaks on the advantages of renting over home ownership which is really interesting like eye-opening for uh, like we always have this perception that like home ownership is achieving like a certain status in society that like once you own a home you i mean i obviously don't want to speak on people who own, own homes here but it's like yeah you're better because you own a home kind of thing and that like it just isn't the the case right and especially like like we talked about with matt denny a few episodes ago like it's getting harder to own homes nowadays right so there is a way to be wealthier than someone who owns a home by investing properly as you rent. That was one of the key points of the book is that obviously you look at a house as an investment and that's something that's going to make you money down the road because you're buying back what you owe and eventually you'll own and be able to sell and make a great profit. But there's also a way to make money by saving what you're spending on a home on a monthly basis into smart investments. But it's you have to follow these principles there. You You cannot just be like, saving a bit every month on rent, but not doing anything with the money you're saving. So that was really interesting. And I definitely recommend that. That was another book I had to focus though, like some very advanced uh, words in there. And I can't talk about rereading paragraphs. I was rereading chapters. So but definitely interesting stuff. The Wealthy Renter by um, Alex Avery. Looking at my list here, my last nonfiction book I completed. I'm going to add the 48 Laws of Power in like two months on there. By the time Just I'm out of curiosity, that. Eric, how many books have you read this year so far? So I've read 11 wow. novels, or all wow. 11 books, but then with comics, if those count, 16. I mean, I'm happy That's with impressive. those numbers. I think I'm at three or four. <laughs> three, I think. <laughs> it's know. almost like one a month by the time we're done pretty in much. April. Yeah, no, pretty four. much one a month. I'm like a one a month, yeah. Yeah, which is good, man. I used to read at work a lot, actually. Like, on my break, bust out the book, read for 15 minutes. But I don't know, now it's switched to uh, watching him, uh, TV shows on my phone. Maybe I need to rechange that habit. Once you read Atomic Habits, you know, just shake things up a little and uh, get back into the book reading game. I mean, I guess that's all I had for, like, what I'm... I've read a bunch of... I'm not just going to read off every book that I've read this year there, but some have been good, some have not. That's just how she goes, right? Mm-hmm. Same goes for... 
t- movies and TV shows. Except that not re- when you read a bad book, you feel you feel like you wasted even more time than a bad movie or or a bad show. That is true. <laughs> Just quickly, I want to say, speaking of bad, I mean, this may be harsh. And I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it was just out on Disney Plus. I watched Nomadland the other day. I didn't you mind this it. Movie? You didn't yeah, even. Like I it? mean, I found it, I thought it was so boring. Like, okay, I just oh, I watched it in four sittings too. <laughs> just I I completely understand the importance of the movie, and I appreciate the message in it and how powerful it can be for people who are in that situation. So for people who live in maybe like out of their car or in a trailer park, don't have a home, that's a real a reality that affects a lot of people, way more people than we're aware of. And they go from place to place. They're essentially nomads and have to find jobs that may not pay extremely well, but enough to make ends meet. And as someone who maybe wants to be entertained watching a movie, yeah. it just didn't really do it for me. It's like it's a movie that will put you to sleep, basically. Yeah. I loved it, but like it's a very quiet, well, maybe slow moving, but which doesn't bother me. Like I don't find slow moving as a bad thing in a movie. I, that, to me, that's like a good, it's, it's fine with me. But I can see why some people are like, what the hell is this? What are we watching? That's fair. Especially in this like COVID era, I want to be entertained. Okay. Speaking of entertainment, finally got around to watching The Matrix. Absolutely loved this movie. It was so good. That's crazy, Eric. <laughs> I know the fans have been after me for about not seeing the matrix. It's come up often. And I finally sat down on uh, masters Sunday, actually had the masters on at the same time. So I didn't miss the action, but wow. What a movie, great action scenes. Okay. I'll let you go on the. I want to hear your thoughts, but don't watch two and three. Please tell me. I'm going to watch them Ah. just because like people say they're not good, but now I'm, I want to see what's going to happen in this universe. I'm expecting that it obviously won't be as good as Matri- the Matrix, but I still want to see what happens okay. to the homie Morpheus, Neo, Fuck. Agent yeah. Smith, okay. like yeah, Hugo Weaving. Enough. What an actor, too, eh? Fair enough. Yeah, Hugo so Weaving's good. phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to like fully get into it. Just a little tidbit for the listeners and you that uh, I finally watched The Matrix and it definitely lived up to the hype. It's fun times. Did anyone spoil the what The Matrix was to you? Like, did you have any idea like it was a whole using human beings as like batteries to fuel this machine world type? Like, yeah, it went in completely blind. I went in bl- wow. as blind as they come, and that's um, so fun. It was great. It hasn't. It's aged beautifully too. Like it's. Oh, oh yeah. The whole time though, I was just waiting for the scene where he's like dodging the bullets, kind of, or just like slowing it down, and that was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, the goat. Well, Morpheus too. Come on, Lawrence Fishburne like slays that role. Oh yeah. As Morpheus. Oh. So good. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the fact that we're talking about movies now, I think that's a sign that we're ready to wrap up our book club episodes. So um, yeah, I mean, this was a lot of fun. We got some good recommendations, and it was fun to talk about the listener submissions and got more recommendations from you all. And yeah, just talking about like why we love reading, and um, we'll always have there'll, there'll always be like you said, Matt, an endless well of books. For every good book I read, there's a hundred more I haven't. I'm never gonna read, and that's sad, yeah. right? thousands of masterpieces in a library but we'll never we'll only get to read a select few hauntingly beautiful way of putting it mm-hmm. before we wrap up the episode now obviously this is episode 59 next episode is going to be episode 60 so I just want to give a little preview about what we're going to be doing for that episode so we're going to be doing like we did on episode 40 a nice get to know your hosts ask me anything episode part two so we're going to be looking for you all 
to submit questions to us on any topic, ideally not related to movies or um, like TV shows. But hey, if you want to ask us a certain question on what we think about um, movie or something, like we can definitely answer about. We want you to get to know us more intimately, personally. Any question you have, within reason, of course, you may fire away on Instagram, message us, text us, whatever. And uh, we'll address it. And every person who submits a question will be entered into a draw to win a limited edition Easy Conversations mug. These mugs are unreal. I'm going to be posting what they look like on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. So you'll get to see why you should be participating and why you're going to want to win. So you'll be an entry in a draw, random number generator. You know the drill. This isn't our first rodeo for these giveaways. And yeah, may the best person win. We look forward to hearing your questions. Am I forgetting anything here, Matt? No, that's everything. And like, there's no excuse. <laughs> just one quick question. That's all yeah. we ask. You know, like, don't. Exactly. If you don't know if it's a good or bad, just ask us the question. There's no bad questions. And I'll answer any movie or TV show questions too, if that's all you can think of. If if you want, ask us a would you rather question. Those are so much fun. I've, I've written true. like hundreds of those down. Just would you rather and give two funny scenarios you know and then you do get to know us based on what we answer exactly thank you everybody for listening to this episode it was more laid back maybe jumping around a lot but i don't know i had a blast (laughs) talking about books with you eric definitely going to be reading a lot of the books you were talking about likewise yeah it was a great time great conversation and look forward to reading some more books and um, going off these books that you've all recommended so yeah thanks a lot everybody for listening Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe, everyone. Love you all. And yeah, 